Hello and welcome to the Womanifester podcast. I'm your host, Katie J. I'm a women's empowerment coach and a mentor to badass, game-changing women. I'm here to share insights, practices, and resources that help me and my clients manifest with ease. It's my hope that you'll apply what you learn in this podcast to your life. When you embody these practices and mindset shifts on a daily basis, you will notice profound shifts in your life. My clients and listeners tell me that after working with me, they have a deeper trust in themselves, a better relationship with their own inner wisdom, and they are more alive and awakened to their inner joy and happiness. If you want more energy, more self-love, more abundance, and better relationships, then tune in for your daily dose of motivational messages from me and my special guests. If you're ready to live life as your most authentic self and manifest faster and easier than ever before, then you've come to the right place. Thank you for joining. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the Womanifester podcast. I'm your host, Katie J. And today we have a very inspiring woman with us in an interview. Zakira Muhammad is a cancer survivor, Sagittarius, world traveler, author, podcaster, and a small business owner. She's the author of Seeing Life Through a Different Lens, a survivor's memoir on overcoming adversity with resilience. Her podcast is called The Living Legacy Podcast. Zakira, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So I would love to dive into a few things. When we when I book calls with people, I have this intake form. And in the intake form, you mentioned that at six months old, a camera saved your life. What do you mean by that? So you know, I was six months old when I first received the diagnosis of retinoblastoma. It is a rare childhood eye cancer that is best detected when a child is before five years of age, because if it's not detected, it is a cancer that can spread um, from behind the eye to the brain and that can eventually lead to death. So my mom was three months old. Of course, like many moms with newborn babies, you're taking pictures left and right. And one day she took a photograph. I have the picture so I, I can describe it. I was in the baby swing, just happily swinging, and she took a picture of me. And um, I look happy, but normally you would see a red glow in an eye. Instead, she saw a white glow in one of the other eyes. She took it to more than one doctor, more than one co-worker, more than one friend to see, ask if anyone has seen this before. So it took her about three months because she had to wait for my pediatric follow-up appointment and then get referred to a specialist because the first pediatrician said, oh, there's nothing wrong with this. Don't worry about it. But her intuition told her that was false. So by the time I was six months old, it became a whirlwind of uh, she found a specialist who told my mom that I needed to have surgery right away to get this eye surgically removed 
before the cancer spreads anywhere else. What ended up happening after that? Were they able to do that surgery? Yes. So I was actually nine months old. I think we was about three more months. So I was nine months old when the surgery actually happened. And so we definitely, my mom talked about it more than I would because I don't even remember it. I guess I could define it as PTSD, but uh, my mom talked about it more so in our book, um, seeing life through a different lens. So she kind of like a ghostwriter in the book because she's able to talk about the pregnancy, any pregnancy complication, and then giving birth. And then of course, her feelings as a parent going through those first that first year of my life. So yes, surgery, I had uh, a recovery phase because I had to go through radiation treatment to help to you know reduce the tumor down. And just of course, adapting to now having a, a baby that sees in one eye rather than two. How would you say that's impacted your life, um, having had that happen at such an early age? For me, it really didn't occur to me that I was different or that it was a problem until I started going to school. I started interacting with and meeting other children that are inquisitive. So they would naturally ask, what's wrong with your eye or what's wrong with you? And that was the only time that I realized that I was different. I traveled a lot with my parents. We went on road trips all the time. My dad was a um, CDL, had a CDL license and was an 18-wheeler truck driver almost all of my life. So I went with him on many road trips. So I've been to many states that I can remember. So I didn't really feel different or feel affected by it until I started really in elementary school. And what was that experience like? It was definitely a challenging experience because this was my first few encounters of being bullied or being teased or not being liked um, because I knew that I was a happy, outgoing person. But even my mom told me that there were moments where I was just quiet. People thought I was mute because I'm like, apparently my mentality was, well, I don't want to talk to you if you're not going to be nice to me. So it was definitely different as far as adapting to the mentality of, I am different. But I applaud my mom for never making me feel like I was less than or never making me feel like I was different, any different than anyone else or any that I can't do anything that anybody else, even with two eyes and without any hearing difficulties can do. I love that. And from that experience, how do you think that has shaped your work now and just who you've become, what you're offering to the world? I think that experience has really helped me to be just about a fearless woman, right? So I'm not afraid of what most people would typically be afraid of. I'm no longer afraid of what people say or think about me. And it's helped me to continue to be an, an open-minded, outspoken, extroverted introvert that loves to meet new people and go to new places and try new things. I absolutely love that. So I notice um, a few times, both on your website and in your bio, it meant you mentioned that you're an empath. For those who don't know what that means, can you describe your experience as an empath? So being an empath is basically bringing up those experiences of you're interacting with people 
and you feel drawn to them, you feel closer to them, you want to care for them in more ways than you can in that moment because you're naturally a nurturer, you naturally put yourself last, you naturally want to serve and help others. And so being an empath means I'm intuitively in tuned to others feeling an emotion, whether they say it or whether they simply just show it through their body language. And I come to realize even now, if we've already had an interaction online, I can tell also that something is off with that person. So it's basically just a, a maybe a developed or even a born with gift to be able to be in tune to people's feelings. Do you find yourself taking on people's feelings as well? Absolutely. That is the best and the worst quality of an empath because <laughs> if someone is down, you feel down too. If, if half of the world is you know, affected by whatever's going on in their life, you feel it too. So even if things are going well in your life, if you can tell that other people are stressed, you'll be stressed too. If someone gets mad, you will be mad too. So it's almost like a magnetic attraction too, as far as being an empath of having to train yourself really to say, okay, just there are ways you can help this person to feel better if they want to be helped, but what they're feeling is not what you are feeling. <laughs> so you have to kind of train your mind. So it gets difficult at times. Absolutely. I would definitely... I think I can identify with that too. And especially with everything that's going on in the world. So we're recording this on June 9th and there are protests and riots and all sorts of things happening in the name of black lives mattering more. (laughs) And I'm curious if you're feeling that I know I'm feeling it and I'm, and just how you are handling that and, yeah, we'll start with that. How you're handling everything that's going on in the world as an empath. So it's definitely a challenge because Black lives have not started to matter yet, like not even yet. So this is something that I have had to deal with all of my life, that my parents have had to deal with all of their life. And so it's just different because the other type of pandemic that started was the virus. So the virus was first. People were already home and uh, going crazy, especially if they're extroverts who need to keep moving. So it's just doubled down because of technology and because people have time on their hands. But it's definitely just allowing people to really reflect and dig deep into themselves. I know I am starting to be more open with sharing the story that I've experienced of being seen as different. Uh, Also through my, through, I guess I would consider my own people, the people who I feel look like me, the people who I feel I can consider to be family. Um, I've always had uh, this colorism against just because I may be slightly a lighter skin tone than then you does not mean that I am better than you. And of course, it's also hard enough being a cancer survivor, people who don't understand that the medical industry has not, has also not been of equal quality to everyone who has invisible disabilities because thank goodness I am healthy. But there are a lot of people who have the same cancer that I have 
who have completely lost their vision, who have just about lost all of their hearing. So there's no equality in the medical industry either. And then of course, yes, there's the racism. I have, I've been blessed to be an entrepreneur, but it's different anyway, when I choose or try to choose to work with those of other ethnicities. And again, I believe, I was born to believe that we are all one, but the system for the past 400 years has made us to believe the complete opposite. So it's a challenge. Are most of your clients minority clients? Most of them are minority. And I intentionally focused on that because I observed the the gap, the pay gap, the quality gap, and the lack of representation. Um, I wanted to be one of those, I guess, change makers in that way when it came to being a digital marketer, but for people of color. Um, they don't necessarily only have to be African-American. It can be uh, Indian. It can be the Caribbean. And I wanted to really focus on that when it came to also hiring and outsourcing. I wanted to choose those entrepreneurs and creatives who are not already influencers, or not already have a million dollars and just want to shine a light, a positive light on their talent and their expertise. So I intentionally went that route, but just because I choose that first as my main client does not mean I exclude. Absolutely. Hello, hello, Katie J here. I'm briefly interrupting this episode to tell you about my manifestation circles. These are online women's circles designed to help spiritual women learn and leverage the collective manifestation power of sisterhood. So if you are done with limiting beliefs, doubts, and fear getting in the way of your best life, and you want to speak your truth, and you want to surround yourself with a community of strong spiritual women, and you want to learn how to facilitate your own shadow work and healing, then this is the group for you. Head on over to womanifestor.com to learn more. All right, let's get back to the episode. Can you kind of dive into a little bit more about what your business is and how you how you serve through it? So I consider myself a brand cultivating strategist. And that basically means that I help you to make sure that you have your brand, you know what your brand is, and you confidently flaunt it online, first and foremost. And second of all, make sure you actually have it to use and actually look good on social media. So look good does also include visually. So even though right now it's been difficult, uh, I may not have as many photo shoots as possible, but because I did actually start out as a photographer, I normally help others to photograph and make sure they have the right branding and lifestyle photo shoot to include on their websites, on their social media pages, when they do get press features. But the other part of it is also making sure that their web presence, their online presence is consistent and that it looks good. And then of course, it gains return on investment, which means that they are able to take their X number of followers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and bring it back to the website, bring it back to the email list, bring it back to their services. And so with that, I also have a digital marketing agency called Focus Media Group with the PH. And that's where we also outsource to make it all in one. So say you 
do need a website. You, you already have the photo, you had a photo shoot, but you need a website or you need uh, strategies to be able to have a system that works for your back end so that you're not focused solely on the social media, which if you're not a creative, that's not the fun part for you, but it's actually a very important part of business, of advertising, of branding. And so that's where uh, we come in and we kind of help take that headache out and also help you really see things differently and be able to understand the power of social media. That's awesome. Because I know as a business owner myself, I would consider myself a solopreneur. I do have one contractor who edits my podcast. Hi, Kristen. She's amazing. She'll be (laughs) editing this. Um, But when it comes to social media and email marketing and web presence and all of that. I do all of that myself. When do you think it makes sense for a solopreneur to begin hiring out either to an agency or to um, somebody, an individual to help them with their digital marketing efforts? I say as soon as you can outsource, do outsource because it's very important to, once you do know who you are and what you are good at is very helpful to be able to outsource the things that are not your best to others so that it can still help your business to continue to grow. But of course, I also encourage those to not be afraid to be a solopreneur because you have to know yourself and know your brand and know what you want out of your company before putting it in the hand of someone else because otherwise it'll be a bigger, uh, even bigger headache if you're trying to describe your brand to someone and that person does not get it. And it's not necessarily the person you outsource it to generically, it's because you have more clarity to get within yourself for your own business. So um, I say as soon as possible, and I've even had consultations with women where they think they want my services for social media, but then when I have their consultation with them, I'm asking them a certain amount of questions that are helping them to realize that they may need to pivot or they may need to reevaluate. And most of the time, that's better that better than wasting thousands of dollars on a design uh, or a designer who tend to not see your vision. Absolutely. So. You bring up a really good point, which is kind of getting super clear on your vision and your what you're bringing to the to the table when it comes to your business. Because I know personally, for the past two years, my all of that has changed <laughs> several times as I just try to figure it out. You know, so that's why um, that's actually the reason why I haven't outsourced because I wouldn't even know what to tell somebody um do you encounter that a lot absolutely and i feel like i really just speak from experience i have been learning by trial and error myself for the past 10 years of course as a photographer first and then of course i taught myself how to manage and market my own facebook pages and then i used to watch a million to zillion youtube videos and (laughs) find a million articles so there are a lot of things everything that i know now I literally taught myself. I got a few certifications, took a few tests. So I definitely um, agree with everything that you're struggling with. And I understand everything that you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that you also mentioned that you wanted to talk about, and I would love to talk about this as well, is how mental health plays a role as uh, plays a role both 
being a cancer survivor and also a business owner and and self-care. So I'm really curious um, what your self-care rituals are and how you manage mental health as a business owner. Well, my most favorite things to do are travel, of course, photograph, but watch movies and listen to music. And I have always loved those things. They were always those fun little quizzes that you would take of, of what, you, what do you like to do in your spare time? And those are the same exact things that I still like to do. And I tend to implement it even more because everything that's going on, it can get really stressful. So on the day that I intentionally, for example, dedicate two days and Thursdays for interview days, whether it's for my podcast, for my book, for consultation. And then I leave my weekends open. I leave my weekends open for if we do get to take a road trip and go to see someplace we have never seen in our area where we are currently living. Or if I can uh, binge watch a new TV series or watch a new movie. Or if I really need to just listen to my favorite playlist that I made myself, I really love the platform called Spotify where you can make your own playlist. Almost all of your favorite artists are on there. And I would just listen to nothing but 90s and early 2000s pop and R&B. That's my favorite genre. So I definitely implement it if I feel I'm ever overwhelmed. I have done a lot better of not overwhelming myself because I used to put this pressure on myself that, I have to keep working, I have to keep working, I have to stay busy, no matter how I feel. But that's what causes burnout. That's what causes imposter syndrome. That's what causes uh, not, your business to not really grow in the direction that you want it to go. So I've definitely utilized everything that I know that I love doing. I never shy away from it. I also love baking. So if I can bake, if I have the funds and the time to bake, I will definitely utilize that. If I have the funds and the time to try out a new uh, plant-based food, I would definitely do that. So it's just a matter of putting it in the schedule, making it just as important as you make it to eat or brush your teeth or exercise, whatever is most important to you, you have to prioritize your mental health as well. Absolutely. And you mentioned plant-based food, and I would love to know a little bit more about what it is. Are you, are you plant-based? And kind of what is your philosophy on food? Well, I consider myself a flexitarian. So I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not a vegan. I'm not a pesticarian. So I am all of the above. <laughs> but what, what matters the most is that I eat what I feel works best for me. So I eat the food that I know will not make me gassy or bloated or have to go back and forth to the bathroom. And what works for me, because also my secondary cancer is PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, I've observed that no dairy, no red meat, um, and not a lot of salt and sugar work the best for me. So I am 95% plant-based, so I will do as much as I can to have as many veggies and grains and fruits as possible. That's awesome. So when you say, you said flexitarian, um, which I absolutely love because I would probably consider myself that too, where I'm just mainly focused on honoring what my body needs and not trying to fit it into any sort of box. I feel like, I mean, food isn't either one of our like main focus, but I feel like it has such an important part it's, it's such an integral part in our overall self-care and wellness that it 
almost has to be talked about if you're going to be talking about self-care. Absolutely. Uh, that is something that I feel, for me at least, when I was observing, before um, they shut down, I was actually working part-time at a grocery store. And it was just funny to me that I would observe plenty of frozen food, plenty of mac and cheese, plenty of potatoes, which is fine. But then I'm like, okay, the produce section is full. Why? <laughs> you know, because that's where the nutrients are. And if you don't eat a certain veggie, then having uh, the powder in uh, a smoothie or herb to um, add or flaxseed or chia seeds, you know, just having something that is healthy. So it really does start with what you eat but also with what you think if you believe that what you eat is if you if you don't believe that you are what you eat then of course it's going to affect everything else so i think most people are now understanding especially again with the power of social media that what you eat is actually a lot better than you know not then, okay, I can understand trusting Uber Eats and Postmates, but if you're not using Instacart to buy the healthy foods, then how helpful are you being, you know, to your own body? That's so interesting that you noticed that everything was flying off the shelves except for the fresh produce in a time where everyone's concerned about their immune system. Exactly. The immune system is what if your immune system is weakened, that's how the, any virus, not just, you know, any variation of the flu, that's how any virus would get into your system and weaken your system. And I think that's one of the different twists or perspectives that my mom and I both share in our book. She talked about how, how I just could not eat after the surgery. And again, probably relaying it back to the trauma, even though I don't remember anything, it probably was traumatic for me because um, I would, I think, according to my mother, I was not sedated. So this was nine months old, right? So then my mom said I did not eat. So then that's when the introduction of an herbalist and a nutritionist came into my life when I was not even one year old to get me to enjoy smoothies. And all you had to do was blend in all those herbs, all the things that you need to boost my immune system. And that's just been a trend to this day. I still love going to Smoothie King. I still love places like Jamba Juice and just having a quick fix of the nutrients that I need to be energized, to have my blood flowing and to uh, not have a lack of iron, not feel fatigued and things of that sort. So yeah, your immune system is everything. You've mentioned your book a few times and I would love to know more about what we would find when we open those pages. So seeing life through a different lens is really for anyone who is affected by or has cancer. Cancer is huge and it's not just childhood eye cancers, but any type of cancer. So the book is really literally a guide on how we overcame adversity through resilience. And we also just touch on how we did not let it stop me from living life or doing whatever it is that I wanted to do. And so there's the experiences of being a photographer, there's the experiences of traveling to 10 countries, there's the experiences of being an entrepreneur. And of course, there are so many um, mental uh, roadblocks that I had to overcome as well, as well as, of course, financial and nutritional. And so we literally dive into it. And so the review that I've gotten so far is that it's basically a how to be more 
positive, how to be more grateful guide. And even though our audience is for those that if you are affected by cancer, you have a family member or a friend or a significant other who is affected by cancer, this is for you. Or if you know someone who has cancer, this book is for you also. So it's um, available on Amazon as an ebook, as a paperback, also as an audiobook, but it's also available directly on my website if you wanted to, I guess, to see the book quicker. <laughs> Absolutely. I think a lot of people out there are trying to support people of color and their books directly as opposed to going through Amazon so that you get more of the more of the proceeds. So we will definitely leave a link in the show notes for people to go purchase your book. Thank you. Absolutely. So where can people go to learn more about you and your business and services? Yes. So uh, everything right now is on my website at zakiranayar.com. And from there, you can also find my social media, which is at Illuminous One everywhere on social media. So from my website, you can choose to purchase the book. You can choose to listen to my podcast, which is the Living Legacy Podcast, Women of Purpose, Sharing Stories of Resilience, and as well as ways to work with me. So whether you do need image consultation or you do want to have a um, social distancing photo shoot or you need help with branding or you just want to have a conversation you are stuck you feel stuck and you need help with getting that kind of clarity so I am a jade of all trade but my mission is to um, empower you to step outside of your comfort zone so you already know what your purpose is it's literally just a matter of unlocking it and and living in it and beginning to take that first step into it absolutely Zakira what would you say your purpose is my purpose has been to visually inspire others to share their story and also step outside of their comfort zone. So I had to literally do the same thing for myself. I had to step outside of my own comfort zone because had my mother also not pushed me to go to my first out-of-country travel, I probably would not have been to 10 countries. I probably would have been to what's most common of going to the surrounding states uh, that are near me, which is, you know, Miami and Vegas and New York and Atlanta. (laughs) Um, And, but visually though, because I've been blessed to be so creative, whether it's through photographing, whether it's through video, whether it's through writing, whether it is through podcasting, it's also being able to visually uh, tell people's stories and being able to tell people's stories has to allow them to step outside of their comfort zone. Some of them have to dig a little deeper and relive certain environments. And so that helps them to be more confident in themselves too. So. That's, that's what I do. <laughs> well, the world needs your work. So thank you so much for doing what you do. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. I know that your time and energy is so, so valuable. So I want to just say thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you took a screenshot of you listening to it and shared it to your Instagram. Tag me at Womanifester and I will 
be happy to share it to my Instagram story as well. This helps us spread the word about manifestation, mindset training, and all of the good juju that comes out of this type of podcast. I also love connecting with podcast listeners. So tell me what your biggest takeaway is. Tell me what your aha moments were, and I will gladly share them on my story as well. Can't wait to connect with you and I'll see you next time. Bye.